Hello, reader. I'm Alex. And I'm Kelly. And this is the The Lit Joy Joy Podcast. Podcast. This episode is brought to you by our Valeris Bookshelf Alley. If any product could be like bookmarked on your calendar, make it this one. We have sold out of this product uh, so quickly that we decided to bring it back, but it is as a pre-order. So the goal is to open it up for a sales window long enough for everyone who wants to buy it to be able to jump in and get it. Uh, the sales period is January 26th through February 19th, correct? Correct. And mark your calendar. I think if you go to our website, you can actually sign up to be notified. It's litjoycrate.com slash Valeris, V-E-L-A-R-I-S, which is a nod to the fact that the Bookshelf Alley takes place in Valeris during Starfall with Feyre and Rezand. It's just a very beloved little alley that fits right in between your books. It's beautiful. So make sure to go sign up to be notified and we out. We also want to tell you guys about our reading journal that we have in stock right now. This is one of my favorite items that we've ever created. It is something that we try to keep in stock at all times, and it's perfect right now with the new year happening. Um, It's a great way to keep track of your reading goals. There are so many different kinds of pages in there that are interactive. Um, We've got lots of fun pages for tracking the books you've read. You know, there's book to movies. There's Lots of pages where you can keep track of uh, the books from all over the world. I'm trying to yeah. remember that pages. Yeah, there's like, like world travel pages. Yeah. There's there's also like bookshelf pages where you can call it, fill in you your book in. titles and color them in. So it's just like a really beautiful way to interact with yeah. your reading. I love it because then you can really just keep track of your review, your star rating, your thoughts, a favorite quote, things like that as well. And these are perfect for book clubs. I actually did give these out to everyone in my book club last year. Everyone's very excited to start filling them out. So just wanted to remind everyone to go check out those reading journals. And they do come in several colors. And we are stoked to be here today to talk to you. Stoked. <laughs> and I feel like that ages me just a bit. Like all the it's youth, so rad. all the youths are like, "What the youth? The youth." <laughs> I do notice I'm getting older though, because I go to the grocery store and I'm angry at everyone who's younger than me. <laughs> I'm all feel that deeply. I'm just like, "Don't you know how to use a turn signal, you child?" It's probably like a 25 year old. <laughs> Amazing. You know, all, I've been there a while. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> I'm it's always true. mumbling while I'm driving. I feel like I've always been kind of an old soul. Like I remember being in college and being like, nobody here should have a license. I love this. This is great. This has nothing to do with what this episode is about, but we're happy you're here. We'll just segue right into it. And with that transition, today we'll be talking about book your ticket. Get it? Book your ticket. I'm winking as you can see. (laughs) Books that made us nostalgic for travel. Yes. Yes. This is a fun episode. Um, we can't tell yet, but we think it will be. <laughs> no, I'm already excited. I'm like, it was fun to put together because yes. obviously that's the beauty about reading books is that you want to be transported. 100%. Sometimes that is into a completely different fantasy world. And yes. Sometimes it's to real places. Well, okay. That's a great point. We should do a whole follow-up episode of like fantasy places we yes. want to travel to. Like fantasy worlds. Mm-hmm. I love this idea. I know. I had the idea too. I was like, write that down. We got to do this. <laughs> He's like pretending to write it. <laughs> and then today we're talking about books that make you want to travel to places that actually exist. And then it sounds like we'll have a follow-up. Uh, that episode. is if you believe we're not in a simulation, but yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we talked about that in our uh, part one. Of the book club? Of our deep, like deep discussion book. Oh, yes. We were talking about like living in the matrix, like 50% of... Oh, uh yeah, physicists. Physicists, that's right. Yes. Believe that we are living in a simulation and yeah. it's like fascinating. I know. But I know. we digress. We digress. So one thing I do love, okay, so Kelly and I both have a deep passion for travel as well. Yes. So I'm like, it goes like books, travel, and then everything else. <laughs> Family's <laughs> up there somewhere. Hey. But, you know, they're, they're, they they hover in the top three. <laughs> they we don't bounce know. between one and two. <laughs> no, but, but we, yeah. so I love that there's books that, Literally just when you think about the book, you think about the place Mm. and you want to be there. And I feel like also the authors on this list do a good job of immersing you. Yes. But yes, 100%. So number one is no surprise. Kelly did the draft of this list. And I'm just like, number one for Kelly is number (laughs) one for Kelly. Well, and number one for a lot of people. 
Fair. I'm all fair. Which is Outlander yes. uh, by Dana uh, Gabaldon. 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 And it takes place in Scotland, right? The Highlands. But back in like the late 1700s. So, yes. But then you you get transported. So It's a time travel book for those of you who don't know. Actually, Diana, she was like, I, I saw in an interview, someone was like, you're historical fiction. And she's all, no, it's a sci-fi yeah. And I was like, <laughs> they try, there's like one time travel event and she's all, it's science fiction. But yeah, you know, it's it, her book. It, yeah. I, I remember that. And it's true. I'm all, I guess it is sci fi technically. Um, but it is historical fiction as well because she obviously documents things that are all based in yes. history, talking about the different clans and the wars going on back then. So, Let's start over. The premise is about a nurse. She's on her honeymoon with her husband soon after World War II ends. They got yes. married and immediately basically got separated. Yes. Yeah. Like married and then World War II began and she was a nurse and he was a general. Yeah. And so they didn't see each other for the span of World War II. And so mm-hmm. they're finally reunited and they go on a honeymoon up to the Highlands. They're in Scotland at this cute town and oh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, anyway, so she goes on a drive because he's like trying to do some research for, you know, he's, he's a professor. He's just hard. <laughs> yeah, he's a professor and wants to learn more. And he's doing research on like different ancestors and historical figures. And so she's like, cool, I support this, but I'm also going to go. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to go explore on my own. That's a nicer way to say it. So yeah. she she goes because she's also really into like herbs and plants um, and flowers and lo- loves to learn more. Like so she, medicinally, because she's, yeah, she's a nurse. I'll just keep piping in with these little extra facts. Thank you. Go ahead. <laughs> and she ends up at the stones. Um, now, the stones are interesting because... They're the whole, megaliths, by the way. Yes. They're like giant stones in a circular formation. Mm-hmm. I mean, similar to something like Stonehenge, right? Yes. Um, but in Scotland. And they, the night before, had actually watched these women kind of sneak out to go perform what would you call it? Like a, a ritual? Ceremony. Like a ceremony, a ritual? Yes. It kind of like... It's beautiful. Yeah, they're all dressed in white with like these like lantern type things. And and just like sing me a song of a that is God. So basically the town knows that there's something special about this place. There's an energy about it. And so they like to do these rituals, these ceremonies, because it kind of keeps the flow of their town and their life moving forward and with Mother Earth and all these things. And they, you know, so she finds it fascinating. So she goes back to visit by herself when everyone's gone and is just looking at the flowers. Da, 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 da. Then she hears this buzzing sound and it's coming from one of the big stones in the middle of the monolith. And she puts her hand up to it and all of a sudden you hear like that. ooh, yeah and then she disappears she's gone yeah. and it's just her shawl that's left okay she transports back to scotland in 17 like eight what is it oh 1740s back to scotland right and just is like dumped in the middle and she's like what's happening and all of a sudden someone who looks like her husband is coming up to her he looks like he's in like a costume right from like an yes old he war. looks like a red coat yeah exactly and that's where she realizes, like, what is going on? And she's like, Frank, what's going on? And he's like, I'm not Frank. Yeah. And he's like the villain, right? Jack Randall. Yeah. So, you guys, I, I just feel like Outlander is so iconic. I love it. It was a fantastic <laughs> book club read. It was like, just, I love the show. I don't know. It's just, it's one of those ones where, like, I want to go to the Scottish Highlands every time I think about it. Even just thinking about it. Because it's so gorgeous. It's beautiful. And we live um, in an area that kind of looks like the Highlands because I think we're both really drawn to like trees and and like these beautiful mountains in Utah. Like Utah is very mountainous. But um, I'm like my homeland is Scotland. I know. We have not been to Scotland yet. It's on the calendar for this year. This year. We've been talking about it for years. I know. So we're ready. saving our little pennies. And this year it's happening. So when I was researching this book a little bit about travel, it's like the books for sure got people interested, but the TV series really got people interested, yes. you know? So we've got nine books, six seasons of Outlander. I thought she just announced her 10th book too. Nine books out. Okay. Nine yes. books that are published. 10 will be her final book. And then I don't know if they're going to go through all 10 seasons. Or I not. think the final season just, they just started the final season mm. of Outlander. I'll be honest. I watched... I think five seasons, but then yes. maybe, yeah, after that, I kind of had to stop, but kind of got to be a, mis- I have a delicate a constitution <laughs> to yeah. some things. And back then specifically, you know, the rape is happening like in every book, like every book. Yeah. There was always something very traumatic, right? Like that's what keeps the books going. But, um, but what I was going to say is that the 
tourism in Scotland has skyrocketed. <laughs> That's thanks awesome. to Diana. Thanks, Diana. Yeah. And you can do full Outlander tours, which I'm amazing. Like, please go visit all the different yes. filming sets and locations. Lale Brock. Oh, Lale Brock. Yes, it's beautiful. And it's open for visitors. It's amazing. So. I just, I'm like, I get why this is your favorite Scotland. From the moment I met Kelly, she's like, I love Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been there, but I feel cold. Yes. 100%. And, uh, it's going to be such a great trip. All right. Next up on the list, this one's a no brainer Eat, Pray, Love by yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh, I like Elizabeth Gilbert. Her books always have kind of like this, this like optimism mm -hmm. that I feel like is just really inspirational. She, I read a couple of her other books and I just feel like she's so good at optimism. But this one in particular literally made you want to go to all of the places and eat the food, which, oh, yeah. It's like two, like eating food. At, when we travel, I'm all, let's plan the food first, yeah. everything else second. <laughs> And what I love this quote I'm going to read about this yes. book because it says, this book comes from a place of privilege, but doesn't all travel mm -hmm. as it follows the author on her journey of self-discovery as she eats, prays, and finds love in Italy, India, and Indonesia. It's like the three eyes yes. to remember. Um, because I know there were a lot of mixed reviews on this book because people were kind of being like, well, wouldn't that be nice if we could all just like uproot our lives and go travel the world? And that was kind of like some of the critics view of it. And I'm all yeah. just enjoy the journey of what she experienced and what it meant, you know, but it absolutely gave me that wonderlust to want to go travel yes. to all these places. Yeah. The point of the book wasn't to be like, it wasn't like a humanitarian effort. Yeah. It was a place of privilege and it was wonderlust. And so I'm like, I love it. I think that that's exactly yeah. what you experienced when you were reading it. And you wanted the main character to find love and yeah. you wanted to eat pizza in Italy yeah. with her and you wanted to eat ice cream and I think about that a lot that one moment in Italy where her and her friend you know they've been eating and loving all the pastas and stuff and they go shopping and they literally can't zip up their pants yes and her friend is so devastated she's like oh I gotta stop eating and she's like why just go up the next pants size men will still love you basically. she's like has a man ever looked at you naked and been like nope, nope. <laughs> And she's like, you're right. And, and it, it just like hit for me where I'm like, that's true. Like I put that pressure on myself. The man is perfectly happy. Whatever oh, I size. Do, you know? I do that all the time. Yeah. I've had to go through such an interesting journey with my body. Hmm. I'm like, and loving my body. I, I love that part too. That yeah. part sticks out to me so much. Every And in fact, every time I go to eat something really delicious and I feel that that inner critic, yeah. I, I actually think about this book and that moment because I'm like, no one has ever you know, that I really love and care about has never told me like, I need to stop eating so that I look a certain way. Like they've always loved me at every size. Mm -hmm. And so I love that. I didn't, yeah. that, that wasn't why we put it on there, but it's true. I think about that, that moment a lot too. And I'm like, oh, that is interesting. It really stuck out. Her, her time in India didn't stick with me as intensely as Italy and Indonesia. Yes. Um, it, it was fascinating because she was frustrated. She had to learn to be quiet and be still. Mm -hmm. And so that was fascinating because I was like, that would be me being like, <laughs> me too. Ah, I've been silent for an hour, you know, yes. and it's supposed to be like all day for like a week or something like that. Mm -hmm. But that's where she really learns how to Zen. And I, I'm curious though, out of the three locations, is there a place that you were more drawn to? Oh, that's a hard one. Okay. So I'm probably drawn to Italy the most yeah. for the food and I've been to Italy. Mm. And so I feel like there's like deeper like neural highways in my brain that think about going back to Italy, right? And that mm -hmm. have experiences around it. And so it's like more present in my mind. But Indonesia is very high on my list of places I want to travel to. And so um, those two kind of stick out to me. It's interesting because I'm very interested in a lot of the things she learned in India. I just don't feel it's called to travel there. But I mean, the list is like every country um, yeah. in my mind. And I'm just like, which ones can I get to sooner? You know, yeah. so we've talked about going to Bali and Indonesia. Mm -hmm. um, but I have a feeling Italy might come up first. But who knows? I need to get to Italy. I love Italy. I will take you to Italy. We okay. could leave tomorrow. <laughs> I loved Italy. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel like Italy felt like home, but it was just it was like a delicious experience from beginning to end. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. we got to go to Venice before it sinks. Well, or before we melt the polar ice caps and flood it. It's got to go. Ah, I'm like, global warming isn't funny, but we'll get to Venice. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I, 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 I was drawn more to Indonesia, Bali, at, at, which is you surprising because I'm not 
normally drawn to more tropical climates. Yes. I'm always like, send me somewhere that's like permanently autumn or fall, like the Cotswolds or, you know, somewhere over in UK or New Zealand or something. I don't know. But um, that one, I just remember feeling a spiritual connection in some form and wanting to go meet the elephants and just enjoy nature in a different way. So I just, but I remember really struggling being like, I want to go to all of them, you know, Mm -hmm. including India at the time. But I think since then I've been like, well, maybe not. My husband's been a couple times. And so I kind of feel like I've lived through it with him and his many illnesses that he's returned with yeah. while visiting. So that's where I'm like, maybe I'm later. Like, we're too delicate. <laughs> I feel but, like it's a mess problem. But I feel like this was one of the first books that came to mind when I was thinking about places that I'd wanted to visit because she did such a good job of making you fall in love with the, each country. Totally. So I love it. Moving on to number All three. Right. We just talked about this one in we our did. last episode, so we won't go into a ton of detail. But the Guernsey Literary Potato Peel Society, this book is one that takes place on the island of Guernsey, just between England and France. And um, when the Nazis occupied France, they were on their way to occupy England and they only got as far as Guernsey. Mm. And then that's when the U.S. joined the army or joined the the, um, war efforts. And so... This is from the perspective of a writer from London and a book club in Guernsey Mm -hmm. and their correspondence and all that ensues. And Guernsey is this charming little mountainous, rolling hill, Mm -hmm. beachy island. Yeah. And I'm like, we should go there on our witch journey this um, year. Yes, please. Okay. I, I, all of us, after reading this for book club, everyone was like, we want to go to Guernsey because, you know, she does such a beautiful job, the author, in um, making it like a love letter to the island. She talks about a lot of the things that are on the island, specific places, moments, um, and everyone was just so enthralled with it. We had like a whole PowerPoint at the time to show all the things that were brought up in the book. And they talk at one point about this little chapel that is all made out of like glass, glass bottles, things like that. It's like you can fit in it, like two people, and that's about as big as the whole chapel is. Like, it's just made by like little pieces that they've just, they've recycled to put together. It feels like a fairy tale island. Yeah. Like it feels like this fairy tales come to life. Like these, it feels kind of like an extension of that magic you find in like the Cotswolds or like yeah. Like I'm pretty sure fairies live there. Yes, or like the Will of the Wisps or something. Like it's magical, and it's like a um like a seaside getaway for a lot of places in uh, England. Yes, they'll go there for the they'll summer there. They'll summer there, no, <laughs> or they'll visit in the summer. Yeah. Um, I know we've been to a couple of those spots, but we went in the dead of winter and they're like, why are you here? <laughs> and we're like, well, we're American and this is pretty warm. <laughs> I know. They're Compared like, it's like 55 live. and I'm all, this is great. Yeah. It's beach weather. Um, but no, yeah. that, that would be wonderful. Let's do our witch tour Absolutely. through the UK and we'll stop in Guernsey. We'll do a full like day tour, stay the night. Okay. Back. We're all so absolutely adding. It Welcome to, the list. to our, <laughs> to our planning. Okay. So just a charming little island. Okay. Number four. Mm-hmm. Talked about this one before, too, when we were talking about Hoogar. And Hoogar, like books that make you want to winter. Yeah. Yes. Um, A Year of Living Danishly. My 12 Months Unearthing the Secrets of the World's Happiest Country by Helen Russell. She is a UK reporter that her husband got a job with Lego and they moved to Denmark. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she um, is deciding, like... Uh, he's offered this job and she's like, well, I'm just going to make this into a whole experience, you know? And so she kind of documents it. I think they're from, was it London? Yes. And then, yeah, that's what you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. They leave the London home, friends and family for a year and move out to Denmark. The opportunity of discovering what makes this the happiest place on earth, because that they have that statistic. They were voted happiest place on earth. They self-voted that they're the happiest. So like <laughs> they like sent out a survey, which I actually yeah. like, there are some countries that, do votes and take it very seriously. Denmark is one of them. They're serious. <laughs> yes. And she's like, why are they the happiest, basically? And that's kind of what the whole book is about, is trying to figure out why. So it talks from childcare, education, food, interior design. They talk about SAD, which we've talked about, uh, seasonal affective disorder, taxes, sexism, and it's the whole journey about uh, Denmark's take on all of those topics. Yes. And a lot of them, I was like, that is pretty sweet pretty sweet pretty smart and then there's a couple where i was all i mean (laughs) maybe not my cup of tea (laughs) but the thing i loved about this book though is i it made me way more curious about denmark oh yeah i was like 
which I would go anywhere like on a to yeah. d- learn more about culture. But I was specifically enthralled by learning more about Denmark's mm-hmm. history, about their culture now and in the past. And also just when she would describe their summers and their winters and yeah. like they have cow seasons where they like have these cow celebrations, which is so charming. And since then, I've when we read this, I followed a bunch of accounts on Instagram that show like cultural events in Denmark. And I think it's just like a really charming place to live. Yeah. In so many ways. Yeah. It really was this incredible, again, love letter to Denmark and how they live life. And uh, if you fully embrace it, you too can be so happy. (laughs) You can be so happy. Now, she had a great sense of humor about it, though, because it's a very different culture from from the UK. Yeah. And so I felt like, well, just a different culture from London, because Mm -hmm. even within the UK, there's a wide variety of cultures across all four countries. Maybe five. I don't know. It's unclear. <laughs> but um, I just, I loved how she handled like the humor in it. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it's, it's a great read. It really was a fun one. Whether I mean, you're reading it by yourself yeah. or with a group, it, it's delightful. I'm like, if you're going to Denmark, for sure, read it. Yeah. And I'm like, if you read it, you'll want to go. Oh, yes. 100%. Okay. Moving on to number five. I was really excited about this one, which is Anne of Green Gables by L.M. Montgomery. Um, I grew up on this show, this series, watching it with my mom, you know. All of them. And then I got the books and I started reading them on my own. Also, the main actress then was like the Queen in Rain. And I was like, oh my gosh, which I also thought was really fun to watch. That was a good show. Anyways, (laughs) I I was on the CW. I know. I enjoyed it as well. Me too. But I was like, now I think watching it now, I'd be like, I wish it was spicier. (laughs) I'd be like, could it be a little spicier? Anyways, (laughs) keep going. Okay, how do I bring it back? Uh, <laughs> we don't need to. We, we deviate back. back. <laughs> Anna Green Gables, we all fell in love with Prince Edward Island. Yes. And they have really run with this. Yep. So they have a lot of tourism specific for people who want to learn more about, you know, Ellen Montgomery, Anna Green Gables. So if you go, you can absolutely do tours and yes. do the whole thing. But in general, the island itself is just, it was such a part of the book. Oh, yeah. You know, like, Anne, so emotional and dramatic and, you know, just everywhere she went. She's like the wh- the white wave. <laughs> she would just throw herself, you know, into the grasses on the beach or something, you know. like yeah. So it, you just felt like everywhere you go on this island, Anne has been there almost. Like, there's this imprint of her. And I, it looks beautiful, right? Like, it's just a gorgeous area in general um, on top of having so much nostalgia for well me specifically growing up but I'm sure many of us and it's true again when I think about it you you have that like feeling of just like yes the island and I mean like it's a tourism is such a big part of their economy because Mm -hmm. of this book and also this book is huge on a global level and so I think Prince Edward Island like so many people think of Anne when they think of it Yes. And so it's a book that's really impacted an economy, which is very interesting. Um, oh, with that, did you see this little fact I put oh, in here? No. It says visitors come from around the world, especially from Japan, where yes. Anna Green Gables is part of their school curriculum. Yes. So, and so they love to come and celebrate it. Japan has like this deep love of Anne, which is so fascinating. I know. That's I like a like, really oh. fascinating subculture. And as you mentioned, it's in their curriculum, but also they have like a lot of like fan art yeah. and like spinoffs. So that's an interesting deep dive. I know. I'm like, I'm fascinated as to the why, but yeah, I'm happy well, I mean, about Because she's Canadian and we're not Canadian, but we're like just south. We're so, so I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we have like, uh, it's like natural that it's part of our curriculum. Yeah. A lot of like Canadian authors are in our curriculum. So it's just so interesting mm-hmm. that Japan has also this love of Anne, which I love. I know. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. And I'm all, is this rude to say that I'm like, maybe just um, her red hair even might stand out in a crowd. Oh, she's so vibrant. In, yeah. Like, she had to have red hair, right? Just yeah. like with her personality, she just, Anne is one of those people who just feels everything big. She feels love and hatred and sadness and happiness. Everything's so big for her as a character. And I feel like that vibrant hair is like, she's just living really big. Mm-hmm. I know. It's I love touch. her. We love it. It's one of our favorite books of all time. So we were happy to see it here. Okay. We'll move on to number six, which is The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna, who we've talked about her many times for The Nightingale. Yes. Um, And then we read The Great Alone afterwards, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it's all based in Alaska in the 70s. Fascinating. Okay. So Alaska in the 70s, which you learn a lot about in this book, was kind of like the final Wild West. 
Yeah, of America. Mm -hmm. You know, like pretty much all of continental U.S. was um, like followed the laws of the land. One thing that was really interesting about Alaska is it is kind of this wilderness area. It's the landscape is gorgeous yeah. and dangerous, treacherous and beautiful. Like, mm -hmm. and it also is so far away that they kind of create their own culture yeah. and laws in the 70s specifically. She was trying to bring to light, you know, because Kristen Hanna dives so deep into research when she starts to write her books. She wanted to create this snapshot of culture at that time in a, in a place that doesn't often get much voice. Mm -hmm. And so it was fascinating to read. Um, I felt like the characters like she always does are just, she brings their humanity right to the surface of the page. Yeah. And you're immediately invested. But also the land there was such a character in the book. Mm -hmm. You know, from the animals to just the dangers. It has a very like isolation kind of feel to it as yes. well. Like um, there's like this beauty in its isolation. Yes. And that it's still wild and untapped and un you know, there's still so much to explore. Mm -hmm. And then there's the dangers that come along with it. And the basis of the story, um, we read this one quite a long time ago, but if I remember right, it's like there's these two war vets from like Vietnam. Yes. And one of them's like, if I die, I want you to have my cabin in Alaska. He passes away. Yes. So he moves his whole family. I can't remember where they're based, but then they move into this cabin in Alaska. And it's like their story from that point on. Yes. Um, and they definitely run into like is it grizzly bears? Yes. And they have they, their shotgun. It's like always by the door kind of a thing. And it's just, um, well, I don't want to get into all of the, all of the different mm. things they run into. But basically, Alaska was interesting because it's like while I was also scared of Alaska and a little bit like, I don't know, like it sounds very dangerous. Again, it's from the 70s. Um, I was equally just as drawn to it in being like, oh, that sounds amazing and gorgeous and wild. And I really want to go there. Yeah. I have yet to go to Alaska. Um, my husband and um, hasn't either, but his family has all gone multiple times. And so we've yes. seen the photos. It looks gorgeous. Oh, Alaska yeah. is incredible. I'll get there one day. Um, maybe to see the Aurora Borealis. Actually, I was just going to say, Those are I, coming think, up. I think that my in-laws, they invited us if they go up there for a year from now oh, wow. is when it's supposed to be the most epic. And so they're on a list. And I'm all cool. Ooh. I'd love to be able to go. I'm all, I want this incredible. list. Mm -hmm. So Great Alone, Alaska. And that's another a wonderful book. Check it out. Kristen Hanna is an incredible writer. Oh, yeah. So, and all, I think she writes this great. All of her books are high recommend. Mm -hmm. She's just a very engaging author. And I think my favorite part of this book was just how resourceful people had to be. Because yeah. it, it was, it kind of reminded me of like... um the Iditarod and like Balto and that whole story, you know, and um, just like not having the accessibility to mm. resources like we do in the middle of a city, you know. So very interesting to just learn how they lived off the land and they had such a symbiotic relationship with the land. Loved it. It even reminds me, Alaska, I, you're right. I feel like everyone's like on their own little island mm -hmm. in Alaska, wherever they live, because they're so spread out. Um, my husband grew up in a tiny town in Wyoming and he was telling me about like when they would go to the grocery store, it was like once a month because it was a two hour drive to the grocery store to really stock up and they'd each get a cart. It'd be like five carts because they, mm -hmm. they had like eight, eight people in their family mm -hmm. and they'd just fill them up and then stock them for the whole month. When his mom went into labor, same thing. She was following a snow plow in Wyoming trying to get to the hospital because um, she was going into labor for like over an hour. Like it's just not like pop down the road for yep. any of it, you know? And uh, it, so it felt very wild to me when he was telling me these stories, you know, in Alaska, I'm sure in the seventies is very much so like that, but times 10 yeah, in its isolation. But that's the beauty in it too. I know. It's cool. It's the beauty. I'm like, we got to get to Alaska. <laughs> okay. I'm really excited about this next one. Oh yeah. <laughs> so number seven is a discovery of witches by Deborah Harkness. And this one, it wasn't so much the exact like the country or state, it was a very nope. specific place, which is the Bodleian Library in Oxford. We wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about a very important event that is happening at LitjoyCrate.com. Oh my gosh, tell us. I know. On, on February 21st, Lunacorns will get early access to the Vampire Academy 
Collector's Edition box set. So this box set is gorgeous. It has features we've never done before, which we always try and do something a little special, but this one is pretty epic. Um, It drops on February 21st to Lunacorns and Mm -hmm. it opens to the public on the 22nd. And if you're like, Alex, what's a Lunacorn? I can tell you. (laughs) A Lunacorn is our nickname for our membership group. Our membership group is a group of readers just like you, but they come back to LitJoy and get extra perks. So they have early access. There's Lunicorn exclusive items. Mm-hmm. There's extra Lunicorn discounts. And we have a, a Facebook membership group where we do lives and we reveal product ahead of time, where we ask a bunch of questions or feedback on what product we want or they want us to do. So it's kind of just like this really cool book club, nerdy book club yeah. that we have at LitJoy. So make sure to check out our Lunicorns membership. It's titled membership at the top of our website. And if you're just here for Vampire Academy, it opens to the public on the 22nd. So, oh, so excited for that. Yes, me too. Which I went to. I in know, June. so jealous. It was so rad. Don't tell me all about it. I know. Oxford is such a cool place. First of all, Oxford, I'm just a little feminist there. So I was like learning about the history and I'm like, where's all the women? But Oxford <laughs> originally, and many colleges started this way, especially in England, with um, being deeply connected to the church. And it was, like young boys that would go and get their education there. And then it has developed into one of the most prestigious colleges in the world. Mm. Uh, My husband did a semester at Oxford when I think he was in graduate school or undergrad. I don't know. He's got a bunch of degrees. One of his degrees. (laughs) He's very into school. He went to Oxford. And so he took me back there and took me on a tour. And it is just the architecture is so charming. And the Bodleian is epic. And it's just a really iconic, like, campus yeah yeah and there's dozens of colleges there so it's not just oxford there's like different sub colleges Mm. all throughout there so just students everywhere it's just like the closest thing to like a hogwarts feeling that i've had um as far as like academia goes so i love that it and so when i read discovery of witches um Book one specifically takes place there in Oxford. You know, Diana, who's the main character, she is over there. She's giving lectures. She's a teacher. Is she a teacher? I'm trying to remember. Or no, she's mostly doing research for her, like, she's a professor. And I know at one point she gives, like, a lecture. Yes. Um, No, no, no. She's a PhD student. Yeah, I think she's finishing her thesis to then become a professor. Something like that. She's super smart. Don't quote us on that. But smarty pants. <laughs> basically, so the this is like a huge part of her experience in the first book. And this is where her, you know, the love interest met you. Met you. He notices her on campus and like, what's different about her? Then um, there's a TV series as well. I loved it. it. It was great. It's it was so good. Three seasons because there's three books. The whole series is fantastic. What I love about Diana's writing is that she is basically a historian. She's very good at documenting things um, in making incorporating those into her books yes um and so you're gonna get a lot of really good history and her her love of wine yes her love of wine diana's historian yeah and deborah is as well yes yeah uh, yes okay i'm sorry they're all interchangeable because they're all into learning and Mm -hmm. into history and so that is where um like after book one i was just like oh i want to i just want to go to oxford i want to go to the library because they describe the library so many times and in the movie too they show it That's the right way. Yeah. Okay. So the Bodleian Library in real life looks slightly different than the one in the movie. The movie one, they had to make a whole set for it. Oh. The Bodleian, but I would highly recommend the Bodleian tour. I would recommend any Oxford tour. Mm -hmm. The fun thing about Oxford is they all live in kind of like these rectangle-shaped dorms um, for the college. And in the middle is like the like grassy area. And that kind of courtyard style is, you know, how the Bodleian looks um and it's just it's it's just a really like historic feeling you feel like have you ever been somewhere where you feel like you're stepping through history by being there Mm -hmm. that's how I felt in Oxford I also felt like that at a few places in London and um in Rome specifically Rome was like just you could feel the energy of history there it was very impactful and that's kind of how Oxford felt is you just you wanted to be a part of the learning there because it had been so 
historical. Mm-hmm. And and I felt like reading this book, oh man, it was just, Discovery of Witches is like a delight for your senses because you want to drink the wine with them mm-hmm. and you want to like squirrel. Hold the old books. Yeah, hold the old books, squirrel away with an old book yeah. and you just want to like make out with Matthew. Also that. <laughs> and his French estate. <laughs> also, France comes up. It's great. Yes. I, there are lots of locations within the series. Yes. But for me, the one that stood out was like, I want to go to Oxford. Yes. Because that's, what? Oh, yeah. There's Oxford, but there's also his French manor. Mm-hmm. But there's also um, Boston, Massachusetts, where her aunts live. Because she's American. Yes. Yes. So many good places. That's where I'm like, this book is full of uh, lots of fun places to add to your list to travel to. Mm-hmm. Um, we, let's see, we did a whole book club on this one as well. It was yes. really fun. And Oh, I just thought you more. Vatican and New Orleans are also in there. She does a good job of oh, taking right. you on these journeys. Well, and then in, in book two, you actually get to go back in history. Yes. Can't get too into that for spoilers. I know. Tyler was like, he, book two was where he was like, oh my gosh. Because yes. he, like going back and learning about, like living through history during yeah. the medieval times. He was so into it. It was it's such a fun romp through history, you know, yes, and I romp and I feel like that's where Deborah, the author, uh, was really excited because she's like, I could use all my knowledge and I yep. put it into like a paranormal fantasy historical fiction. So I was like, yes. this is so my jam, all the things that are happening. here. Yeah. So, yeah, that's number seven. Love it. OK, number eight, I thought was clever to put on the list. Very clever. Ah. The Fault in Our Stars by John Green and Amsterdam specifically. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of John Green. Oh, yeah. um, I think I'm a fan of his writing and a huge fan of him as a person. It's kind of categorically because he is a great person. Yeah. And I think that comes out in his writing. The whole family, I'm just like, because we, we follow the Greens oh, yeah. on like, TikTok Hank, and Hank stuff. Green as well. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that family is just next level in yeah. a good way, in a good way. For sure. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, this book is about... Uh, a young girl who is a teenager diagnosed with cancer. Hazel. Yeah, Hazel uh-huh. and Gus. And her and Gus is her love interest also has cancer. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes through their journey as kids having to deal with this terminal disease, which is hard and unfair. Yeah. And um, and their story, I think, is really worth hearing. Oh, yeah. The book is incredible. Yeah. Like the whole book is fantastic. And when I was thinking about this book, I always immediately think of Amsterdam. Yes. And I just got to go there last year. And I was, I was thinking yes. about the book the whole time because so Augustus, who's the love interest for Hazel in the book, he knows that she's really obsessed with this one book. And it's by Peter Van uh, Houten or Houten, I remember yeah. his last name. They And so he reads it and he's like, that was an incredible book. And so they bond over this book. And the author is based in Amsterdam. And he uses his make-a-wish to take them both to Amsterdam to yeah. have this like romantic date, you know, while they still have the time to travel. And I think they still had like cords in the nose for oxygen and things she like does, that. She does, yes, because she has... Oh, uh, yeah. So her, her, she, she's her, progressing. Yeah. Her cancer specifically has just affected her ability to get enough oxygen, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, she uses she it's it's unclear if they can even make it yeah and so um but yes the amsterdam moment is just so heartfelt and um i'm not going to spoil anything that happens in amsterdam because i feel like that's too spoilery but i did love the moment where she gets to go to the um the museum Mm. the i cannot pronounce what's that the ridge no, just where um because it's on here but it's the Anne frank the Anne frank house they go to the Anne frank house they yes. do go to a different museum yes they go to two the, yeah multiple but the Anne frank one was the one i was thinking and she has to walk up a bunch of stairs yeah and um and i think that that part of the book made me want to go to that museum specifically especially because she was having a hard time as this very young girl uh yeah. breathing and getting up all these steps and um and you think about Anne frank and and the injustice that she had to face. Mm. And I think there was just like, that's the thing that John Green's so good at is that um, how he can create those parallels mm. bet- between the two. Yeah. And I thought that was really beautiful. It made me really want to go there. Yeah. So. It really is very charming, just like they describe in the book with the canals. And I love the moment just when they got to take the canal boat to this yes. fancy restaurant. Fancy restaurant. It's like the orangey, whatever. Found out it's not actually a real restaurant. Yeah, um, like I Googled it. I was a little bummed when I found <laughs> out it wasn't real, but I was like, it's, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and yeah, and they go to a different like modern art museum. They do the Anne Frank. They do some other locations and end up on a park bench and have a sweet moment too. But the whole time I was just like, I want to go to Amsterdam. And I got to go and last year and that was incredible. It's such a fun, bustling town that's all very tight knit with the canals and everything. So yep. anyways, Fault in the Stars is a great book just in general. Um, I think they're from Indiana and then they, yeah, they yeah. go over to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. So, and it was just this, like you said, beautiful moment that made you fall in love with it as well mm-hmm. to see them, how, how impactful it was for them to experience it. Yes. We're all <laughs> <laughs> moving on. All right. Number nine. Couldn't, couldn't not, could not, not, uh, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's just <laughs> this little cult classic. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice is just like the best love story towards you know victorian england yeah like just i mean you can literally okay the most beautiful place i think i've ever witnessed where there's a man-made structure is chatsworth which is where they filmed pemberley yeah and that's in the peat district of england is that correct? Um, yes. Okay. In Derbyshire. 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 So um, I just put where like England in general because um, in the book, obviously, they are actually traveling throughout England. There's many yes. locations that exist and don't exist at the same time. You know. So it's kind of an interesting one. I put down some of them where you will see them in the movie with like Kira Knightley. The, yes. In, is it the 1995 version? It came out in 95. I think we so. are ancient. I know. I'm like, it was like, oh my gosh. Joe writes the great work of no, Joe sorry, Wright. 2005. Oh, oh, I was like, my gosh. I was all, it's, I was like, it's, it's still, still been a while. <laughs> it's been 20 years. <laughs> so old. Yes. But Joe writes great work uh, in Pride and Prejudice. So we didn't do this intentionally, but we kind of took a Pride and Prejudice tour on our own when we were over in England on like yes. a girl's trip. And we went to Derbyshire. We went and saw Chatsworth, took the whole tour. We literally started our day off doing tea hike high noon tea there yes. amazing spent we were there till it closed yes and they i had wanted to kick more us time out. they were like please leave the gardens because <laughs> what they like what i didn't know when you go to visit chatsworth is like you want the whole tour of that it's like a mansion it's this incredible um state that has been passed down in these really yeah the duke and duchess of devonshire yes. i think is who owns they the kind property of get passed down and, and so you're there for hours and then they're like oh yeah don't forget we have acres and acres of these incredible gardens and we we're Which like, oh, we, no, <laughs> we did. a We jaunted. We about. jaunted. Yes. It's incredible because everyone who's ever been in a sense like the owner of that home, they kind of leave their own personal touch. They add to the garden. They add to the artwork. Yes. They leave their little mark. And so it's fascinating to kind of see just the evolution. Yes. Within Chatsworth and you can be fully immersed. Um they have tons of Pride and Prejudice stuff there when you get to the gift yeah, shop. Yeah, the gift shop is pretty fun. But it was incredible. Um, and that was like stop one for us. And then the next one is we went to... Stourhead Gardens. Stourhead in Wilshire. Wilshire? Yes. Yes. Wiltshire. Which is down past... It's down kind of towards the bottom, like the southwest area of England mm-hmm. is Wiltshire. And yeah, gorgeous. And this one... Not in the book. I just put it in. Uh, it's more in the movie again from the Keira Knightley movie. Uh, it's the Temple of Apollo that's like overlooking the lake, like yes. the estate of Starhead. And that's where he's all, I love you, but I shouldn't. And yeah. <laughs> you're inferior, but I love you. And she's like, you've just insulted me in yeah, every she, possible way. She's like, that you liked me against your better judgment. <laughs> so and that's like where they filmed that was underneath that little. And we went up there and took a bunch of photos of us like jumping off of it and professing our love to a fake Darcy. <laughs> it's taller than you'd think. It's high up. Like if you jump, you have to kind of tuck and roll. Yeah. <laughs> Just FYI. It's like, it's like 10 feet off the ground. And we were like, jump. And then we were like, oh my gosh. We're like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> still falling. No, Stourhead is gorgeous. Oh, it's so and there's this beautiful. thing that like the English do so well, which is like quaint gift shops. <laughs> like every gift shop in England is full of like old lady quaint paraphernalia, which is totally our aesthetic. Like, I'm like, yep. there is a cute teacup in every gift shop and they've always got like biscuits and there's always like a tea shop next to it. It's just like, I don't know how they do it. Darling. Gardening, like tools. They know their demographic. Let's yeah. just say that. We're there. I'm like, 
I know. And I went to Bath this last year and Bath is another fantastic one that gets brought up a lot in Jane Austen novels because the aristocrats would summer in Bath. Yeah. That's where they would go for spa time. Yeah. Like Bath feels like a little Italy inside of the UK is what it reminded me of. It feels kind of like Italy felt, Mm -hmm. Um, but it is like resort spa. And we bathed in Bath in like the Roman baths and not the ones that are the museum, but like the aqueducts are still there. (laughs) I drank the water that they would like go to to drink the restorative waters and it's bad. It was no good. It's not good. She didn't feel restored, but I was all (laughs) debunked. (laughs) I was like spitting it back into my cup. I'm all, I am not healed. Thank you. (laughs) It it has that that sulfuric kind of, you know, smell to it and stuff, but Bath is so cool because they use the same white stone to build the entire yes. city. So it feels like somebody just like transplanted it there. Yes. Because it's all the same. Okay. The cool thing about Bath history is the actual waters are said to be sacred. And they don't know anything prehistorically. But what they do know is that the Druids and like Celtic culture inhabited bath and would bathe in these marshlands because it was like marshy they didn't have like roads they would like partake in this healing waters Mm. and then the romans came through and they're like clearly everything is rome including this place and so they built the roman baths and then when the romans left they built over the roman baths and just recently have they started to uncover these baths and Mm. and build museums around it so if you're in bath 100% do the museum tour yeah. of the Roman baths. That was fascinating. Also, I think it's on Tuesday nights, but there's a few weeknights where if you just show up outside of the Roman baths, there are city volunteers that take you on a walking tour of baths for free. Mm-hmm. And they take you all around. Like you go to that, um, oh man, I forgot what it's called. Son of a, but it's like that big, huge apartment Oh. Um, that's rounded. Yes. You know, it's like yes. a, it's the crescent. It's called the Royal Crescent. Yeah. Yes. Royal Crescent. It's, uh, I know in Persuasion, they talk a yes. lot about it. So there's a Royal Crescent, never owned by royalty, by the mm. way. It's just always been wealthy apartments. Mm-hmm. And they're like apartments, but they're mansions that are stuck together. Yeah. And they're like, usually there's people who live in each flat. Like you, you, there are some people who are wealthy enough to like own all five floors, mm. but a lot of them are just individual flats now that you can purchase okay. for like a million to like five million, depending. No, maybe. Yeah. Just like, and then there's like a whole like row of houses that you'll tour. And then there's also a Jane Austen tour, which was fantastic. <laughs> there's a Mary Shelley tour, which was fantastic because so many of these authors had a moment in Bath. So yeah. I'm like, another great place to go. Thanks, Jane Austen. <laughs> Thanks for that. Also, we just sold you one bath. I know. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I got really into it. I was like, that was a fun day. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. Jane Austen in general could get you guys to see so many places, right? Oh, all yeah. in throw all of her books. And I, it's true. I know. I'm like, this one was a little bit of a gray area when I put it on, but I was like, England in general. Anywhere. Anyways. Yes. I know. But they exist. Go to these places. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, this one is uh, one Kelly put on there because for funsies, Kelly's awesome. I put Twilight on here because it legit created a huge phenomenon, right, around going to see Forks, Washington. Yes. And Forks was like, all right, let's do this. They're like, we can do this. Come to us. Yeah. Um, It's, again, kind of a quaint little town uh, on the coast of the Northwest. Yeah, Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm from. Yep. Kind of like that Oregon, Seattle vibe. Mm -hmm. And Washington's no exception. Rains there the majority of the time. Yes. Constantly foggy, that kind of a thing. Perfect if you were a vampire that sparkles to hide out. Thousand percent. (laughs) Uh, Twilight came out when I lived in, I grew up in a town called Auburn, Washington, which Mm. is right in between Tacoma and Seattle. So when Twilight came out, I was like, clearly it would be here. Like, (laughs) I'm just, I remember because, you know, flare pants were a thing. And I just remember like from my, the bottom of my pants to like mid calf was just always wet. Wet? (laughs) It just like absorbed all the water because it was always raining. Yeah, it's like, I was looking here. It says it's about four hours away. Forks is four hours away from Seattle. Yeah. So what it is, is Seattle, Washington kind of has like this outlet, like this Ford. peninsula. Yeah. And then like the Puget Sound and Seattle's mm-hmm. right here on the Puget Sound and then Forks is over here. So if you did like a ferry and then rented a car, you know, like because okay. Forks is on more towards the Pacific. Gotcha. Whereas Seattle's right on the Puget Sound, which is kind of like this large delta. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. And it's like an inlet, you yeah. know. So, but yeah, it, I mean, that was... 
like the se- setting of my childhood was like small, rainy town. <laughs> and were, it like charmed us all after reading the all. Twilight, right? I guess, yeah. I, well, I'd never been at the time anywhere near that kind of a coast. Yes. And it has a very, for me, very magical. Oh, yeah. It's very mystical. Mystical quality. When we finally went to like Oregon for. I love the Oregon coast. In, um, we took our kids and there was fog up in the mountains. Yes. And I'd always tell them that's where the unicorns live. And to this day, my kids are like, if they see fog, they're like, that's where the unicorns, the unicorns <laughs> live in the fog, you know? And so we've made it kind of magical for them, but mm-hmm. living there would be different. Um, yeah. But I would have like a beach house in like the Oregon coast. Yeah. Oh, I love it there. Me too. But you don't get a lot of just sunshiny days. No, no. You go there to just like, it. you go for more of just the like rejuvenate, the healing mm-hmm. energy that comes from like the ocean and the rain and the fog and yeah. Oh, yeah. Like if I was an author, I would for sure like tuck in on a mm-hmm. place on the coast there because it it has that like perfect weather and uh, environment for you to feel like it's like that rainy day vibes where you just want your coffee or your tea yes. and you're just going to focus. You in. could even do like a like 100 percent. Yes, yeah. I outlined my whole fantasy novel when we were there last time. Haven't worked on it since. So I'm like, I got to go back out there. Let's do it. <laughs> I know. Um, and another thing about it, though, is like you could reread Twilight while you were there. And it would just be like a delightful experience, like um, the Pacific Coast. This is like any millennials, like, oh, I have the Twilight phase, right? Like, yeah. I was like a newlywed at the time when Twilight was really hitting the theaters and the fandom was really yes. like this cult behind it. It just was like a new phenomenon that hadn't happened since. It was since. so interesting. It was like Harry Potter and then Twilight. Yes. Like, that's how big it was. It was like Harry Potter um, had like kind of was like wrapping up. And all these adults had like aged out of like they were, the <laughs> a- you know, like we were no longer yeah. the age of the characters in Harry Potter. And so Twilight came out and it was a phenomenon because no, never had like movies started to come out as, before yeah. the full series was released. That kind of just hadn't happened. Yeah. Like books to movies was mostly standalones, like investing in a huge fantasy series like Lord of the Rings could justify it. But it, it just wasn't really the same. Yeah. And there was this YA fantasy, which didn't happen with YA. Like there was this no. YA fantasy in like rural or just like small town Washington. Yeah. And everybody was obsessed. And like I remember going to movies with like all of my friends who were all like, you know, college age, high school age, like that phase. And then I remember going out with like, all of my sister-in-laws to see the movie again. And that was like my age through like 45. And like all of us invested, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is just fascinating. Cause oh, they're yeah. not like, they're not great movies, but they're so great. But they're so <laughs> great. And it's the experience of it. Right. Cause yes. I was there the, the, the premiere night, just a theater full of women, just freaking out, riotous, freaking out. I remember that moment in the last book, you know, where they change up the, like, <laughs> fight scene from the movie. The movie yeah, I know. straight. Through. I did, like, oh, this. Oh, my gosh. Like, there were riots in the theater. I was like, everyone is losing their shit. They're freaking out <laughs> because it deviated from the book a little bit, you know, and then it kind of comes back. But yes, I was just like, what an experience to go through, uh, yeah, to live through. It's awesome. It. But so Twilight, yeah. And it's cracking me up because when I was reading about um, the tourism there now, they're like, um, Portland or no. Uh, Washington Forks has really embraced the fandom. You, it's now evident you can see in nearly every store window there's a cardboard cutout of Bella and Edward. <laughs> Special Twilight restaurant menus, you know, like they're just like we're gonna go for we're it, doing right? It. Yeah. So and it wasn't even filmed there, but I just love that Forks is like we've got this. I know. There's just like they have these like commemorative signs all over. I love it, and you know people can stop and take their picture with it and stuff. So I'm all yeah. It's, that's amazing. That's a phenomenon from the books, yes. right? So had to put it on there and then the last one which i kind of put on is like my bridge to what we will be doing yes where we're going to be talking about fantasy locations that we'd like to visit is the hobbit um a little bit of crossover with the whole series in general by J.R.L. tolkien and um, because you can go visit the shire and it is in matamata new zealand yes and it's on the north island they filmed on both the South and the North Island for the entire series. Um, but if you want to go visit literally a Shire, you can go and visit it. The whole set was built out. Yeah. I'm like, tell me about your experience there. 
Just like I want to hear about yeah. the meal and all of it, your little tour. It was incredible. So I was able to go about five years ago mm-hmm. to... Oh my gosh, time flies. I know. Okay, keep going. We flew to Australia. My husband's um, job sent him out there. And I was like, I don't care what you got to do. Figure out a job that's over there in New Zealand so we can go hop over. So <laughs> he did. He found someone and he's like, oh, it's perfect. I set up a meeting. So we only had two days there. But I was like, I don't care what we're doing. We're going to the Shire. Yep. And so we went there in June, which is actually their winter, but it was still gorgeous and stunning. And they kept being like, no, it's not like the locals. And I'm like, you guys, it's so green here. It's a green we don't even see in in where we live. Mm-hmm. Very bright. Um, anyway, so it's fascinating because when you take the tour, um, when you get there, it is just this rolling hills of green and millions of sheep. And then you take a bus and it actually like takes you right to the entrance, but you have to pass all these like security gates first. And it is a working sheep farm actually. And Amazing. that's what they use. They don't even use like lawnmowers. They just let the sheep go crazy. Can you imagine being, a, uh, if reincarnation is real, I want to be reincarnated as, <laughs> as a shire sheep. A shire sheep, please. That's what I want to be. <laughs> um, and our tour was kind of special because we did the last evening tour and they they offer this, I think, once a week where they allow the very last tour once a week to do a Hobbiton dinner. Amazing. And I was freaking out because they only had one spot left. And so I was like, I don't care. I'm going. So like we booked the ticket and we got there and they were like, we're sold out. And I'm like, well, I do have a significant other with me. Like, do I just need to leave them? You're like, wah, wah. (laughs) And I was like, I don't care if I have to pull up a stool. I'm like, by the way, the tickets for the dinner are pretty pricey. So I was like, you guys, I'm sure you want the money. So they worked it out. They're like, we'll fit one more seat in. And because we checked it like daily. Um, But I would highly recommend that because you're the last tour and you get this cool like evening sunset that you can't get in the direct daylight otherwise and there's nobody else just you and your tour um gets to go walk around the whole shire and they have like 40 or 45 little hobbiton homes and there's only one of them where the door actually really opens and that's bilbo right and that, well they have one that's like a full working one that they don't let anyone into okay it's like bilbo's home and then they and then they have the, the facade for it where the door opens but that's about it yeah but you can walk in and just take a picture out yeah so it's like you in the door and the shire's behind you yeah and i don't know if everyone knows this but the shire actually they built it film lord of the rings and then they took it down they completely got rid of it and then they're like wait we want to do a trilogy for the hobbit and they're like well crap so they rebuilt the whole thing oh my gosh and then they were like, all right, we're going to make this like a permanent thing. They're like, leave it here. <laughs> we don't know when this is going to be needed again. Yeah. So the sheep farmer is like, as long as I keep getting to use the grass. <laughs> yeah. And they said they receive, it's open to visitors. They see an average of 300,000 people per year. Amazing. I was like, what a great, like, it homey was, one to end on. And it's so cute because when you finish the tour, you come down on the lake that you see with the yes. with the, the green dragon in, right? Yes. That's what it's called. And that's where they make this big fanfare about like letting you in all at the same time to the Hobbiton dinner. It's exactly what you would imagine. Like these big, like rough wooden tables and chairs with just heaps and mounds of food and all kinds of meats and pastries. And it's just like so indulgent and fun. And I was just freaking out. (laughs) I was like, picture, 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 you know, like film, film, film. I know. We've had some pretty iconic meals in our lives. Yeah. Like we've kind of like created some opportunities there. So I'm like, it was so fun. Yes. From like the, like the pub and dancing night in, we were in this tiny town in Mizzadern the night before we went to Chatsworth. It's so small. It was like 56 people lived in Mizzadern and we got this little Airbnb there and it, we thought we got the whole house, but we only got like two rooms of the house. So we had to pack like nine women into two rooms. We did. And this poor family was like, hello. And, and they're like, we, we might not put ours on Airbnb anymore. We didn't realize literally till we got there. Yeah. And the family was like, here are your rooms. And we're like, yes. oh, you're not leaving. Yeah. No, they were there. Oh, you're okay. And we're like, whoopsie doopsies. So then they invite us. They were so kind though. They yeah. invite us to like this town dance. Yeah. And it was like this whole dance like they were raising funds funds for like a missionary yeah um service project but like we were all sweaty and dancing and like that was a really fun night and then the next morning the tea and at chatsworth we got up really early and drove to chatsworth to have like tea for breakfast and i don't know we've just i feel like if you just kind of say yes to some of these opportunities like yeah it was such so like serendipitous serendipitous that you were able to go to that hobbiton dinner and that for, it was like yeah. the day you were there. Yeah. So I'm like, 
I don't know. Put good energy out there. Comes back in good food. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of Halvatin food. Yes. Oh, well, this was fun. I know. That was fun. And it will, I'm sure we'll do another list on some fantasy places too. But I was like, yes. these are all places that are on my list. If I haven't already gone on my bucket list that I would yes. like to go to. And again, this is a book your ticket. Um, books that make you nostalgic for travel. I know. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review us so that we can keep doing podcasts. It's just something we love to do. And like a good book, don't forget to recommend us to your friends.